afternoon. Uh, my name is Gregor White. I'm the head of School of Arts, Media and Computer Games at the University. Um, whenever I have to speak about games at the Gaming University, I have lots of qualifications and I've got lots of qualifications, even about the title of this talk when it started. But it's such a, a peculiar set of circumstances and uh, and, and uh, interactions and opportunities that led to uh, us teaching games at Aberdeen University and the success of uh, the games courses at Aberdeen University. Um, that you know you can't really speak about it without speaking about other things around about it that happened. So when we talk about employer engagement, games at Aberdeen University was was initiated by employers uh, in the city. So. Uh, this is our 20th anniversary of offering games at uh, Education at Aberdeen. The people have been making games in Dundee for probably about 30 years. There have been games industry in Dundee for about 25 years. And five years in, they came knocking at the door of the university and said, we need a different kind of graduate. We, need, you know, we can hire a computer scientists, we can hire artists, we can hire electronic engineers. We need people that can combine these skills together uh, and work functionally. Uh, in the kind of multidisciplinary environment, and it became very difficult to find from uh, traditional undergraduate education at that point. Um, <coughs> around about uh, 10 years later, uh, we were designated as a media academy by the Creative Skills Sector, which is the Sector Skills Council for, um, for Creative Media, which is the title just now. And uh, simultaneously, simultaneously that we were uh, designated as the UK Centre for Excellence for Computer Games Education by the Scottish Funding Council. And uh, the, the kind of settlement of both of these things came through. We, we got a, a, a nice big bag of money, which we, uh, we uh, designed and built a game studio that sits within the, the university. And uh, we funded, or the Scottish Funding Council funded, 40 PhD students a year for five years to go through a program uh, that was aimed specifically at uh, feeding new talent into the game sector in Scotland and promoting startup businesses uh, in Scotland and, and in Dundee. So, alongside this kind of usual KPIs that you would expect to get uh, a master's degree completion rates and uh, destinations, we also had to report during that period on uh, bits of commercially published IP and uh, new startup companies in the area. So it was an interesting experiment by uh, the Scottish Funding Council to set up. It was essentially an incubator within a uh, university under the badge of a postgraduate program. So uh, we first offered the professional masters, it's a masters in professional games development, uh, around about 2010, I think. and. Uh, it kind of evolved quite quickly. It, it was essentially a distillation of a lot of the things we thought worked best at undergraduate. Um, a lot of collaborative working, a lot of multidisciplinary uh, group work, a lot of project-led activities, and certainly a lot of doing, a lot of making, a lot of uh, practical work. Um, and uh, in that mix, in the, in the curriculum design mix, we had the industry, which are, you know, who can be occasionally quite a cool bunch of people <laughs> in this kind of context. So they would come up with horrible ideas uh, and ways in which you, you take the students. Like you, the, the night before assessments, we should cut off all the carbon. 
placebo people. So, you know, horrible experience, and they, they might have had, they wanted to inflict on, on other people at that point in time. So, uh, in terms of designing a curriculum, it, it was a, a very interesting experience. And that was complicated again by the fact that it wasn't one game, it wasn't one game, it was one game. Within Dundee alone, there were probably three games industries. And across Scotland, there were probably three games industry. And probably, you know, alongside that, there's a games culture as well. So there's 3,000 people employed in Scotland in the games industry. About a third of them make games, and two thirds are allied trades. And uh, you know, most recently, probably the British Council just appointed a games specialist in Edinburgh. An example. So you can see that kind of when you talk about the games industry, it's not just computer scientists or computer making games. Um, so we, you know, we, we had to design a curriculum that would, that would address the needs of this broad spectrum of, of uh, games companies. And th these were kind of images that were banding about at the time. The, the, the aim skills is a new one, but... Uh, so there's, there's an industry, probably about 400 yards down the road here, for those of you who aren't aware, the old Scotsman building is where they make Grand Theft Auto. So you know, there's 300 people down there building games uh, that are corrupting your children. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, the most valuable, fastest selling uh, piece of entertainment in the industry of the world built down the road there. So th there's that industry, which is a huge, enormous global uh, industry. There is a kind of uh, the, the kind of skills demands that, that they need are, are codes that fit in very specific codes, and your, your job might be to make sure car bends in the right way when you crash. Yeah, and that's what we do for years on end. And is that are they tend to like move around or if you do the smoke that comes off car tires. So you have very specific jobs within a, a games factory. We've also got an industry that is uh, kind of manufacturing sector, uh, uh, work for hire sector. So we, in Scotland we make angry birds for super we make uh, Minecraft and Microsoft. So these are these are kind of subcontracted work for hire things where people need to be kind of adaptable. So they need to have the skills, not just to be very good at that tiny part of the process, but to be flexible enough to take on other jobs as they come in and the, the skills might change. So our curriculum needed to evolve to kind of absorb that that kind of role. And uh, we also have, as a result of the kind of tablet and mobile phone disruption. Um, a lot of companies who make mobile games and make tablet uh, games, uh, which have got a completely different business model. So these are uh, what we call games for service, um, where the companies not only make games, but they manage customer relationships, they manage transactions, and they send, sell your children lots of kind of strange digital products without you knowing until you get your phone. <laughs> that, so that's the business model in there is uh, a lot of community development, a lot of customer development. So there's, there's all sorts of different skills within within these kind of uh, companies as well. They tend to be very small, 90% of the game companies in the UK now are five people or fewer. So you know, these big factories are very scarce. There's a lot of small companies making games with mobile phone, games with tablets. Um, and they need to be really adaptable, they need to have all sorts of skills. And they've come up with this uh, rather dramatic uh, exciting title of the full stack developer, which just means jack of objects, means you can 
a little bit of everything, but full stack developers need much more matching. Um, like I said, uh, alongside this, there, there's this kind of bubbling up from uh, from below this really pretty exciting layer of, of uh, individuals and freelancers and people that are making games on their own and they're, they're doing you know, sort of public performance and the, you know, the sort of cultural layer of the game that's coming up as well. So you know, in terms of designing a curriculum that can kind of accommodate all of that uh, activity, meant that we had to be kind of very vague in terms of, of what the curriculum is. So it's, it's focused around about the core of, of game development, all the way through a uh, 12-month end-to-end project uh, masters. There is a, uh, there are three games development projects that they do uh, one after the other, which just means makes it practical. They know how to do the job that they're, they're going to be expected to do, but they also know how to uh, communicate and negotiate and, and argue and make up things with the rest of their team. Uh, and they need to be responsive. So the uh, games development is a very kind of uh, solution focused, put it in a technical industry. So they, they, you know, they come across a lot of technical problems continuously and they have to iterate and design and find solutions quickly. So they, uh, they, um, they do a lot of problem solving on the fly. Uh, so we need to develop these kind of problem-solving skills in the students. It's very important. Um, and, but they still need to be, be capable. They still need to have these kind of support skills. So we have a range of options that sit around about that. Uh, the practical layer, the R and the innovation layer, and then there's a series of options around about that. So if you're a computer scientist on that on the program, you can go and continue to develop your computer science skills understanding. If you're an artist, you can do the animation. If you're a designer, you go. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of uh, options around about the, the core of the program. So the, uh, the curriculum is designed, if designed to work, really to kind of accommodate a whole lot of different kind of potential outcomes for the students. And uh, uh, I suppose the, the spirit of it is that the students kind of design their, their learning experience uh, and where they want to focus on what they want to do within those uh, kind of parameters. Um, I knew I was going to be the only one with a photo of each of you know, <laughs> We've got a parable about working with the industry. It's called the Dengue Parable. Um, so the, working with the industry at, at this kind of level of engagement has its, has its massive rewards, which seems to have a number of risks and uh, that need to be managed. Uh, and, and people can kind of begin to, to mix up their roles a little bit. So we have a managing director of a local company that comes in quite regularly and speaks to the students about creativity. And the student, uh, industry as well can be cruel. Or part of the coolness is they like to kind of uh, debunk some of the more glamorous ideas that, that the students might have about what it's like to work in the entertainment industry. Um, so Colin come in and he talks about creativity and says, you know, it's not magic, it's not luck, it's about desolation, it's about knowing what you're doing. Um, and then he, he gives this quote, which attributes to Lee Trevino, um, which is, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity, which is eminently sensible. I think what he means is, Gary Clare said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> Seneca the Younger said, said this, and it, it, you know, there's two things that we can learn from that. 
industry and academics, we don't have the same kind of value system. They can be really informative, they can be really helpful, but you know, they're not there to teach your students to be master's level students. And academics have a very important role within that uh, mix of, of preserving you know, measurable academic outcome as part of what we on the surface like a lot of activity in terms of making games. Um, the other thing that we can learn is that uh, universities don't do opportunity very well. So we, can be, uh, we spend a lot of time preparing students. That's what we do best. We give them all the information they need. We, uh, we teach them how to handle it and we uh, prepare them very well for going out into the world. But we don't do opportunity very well. So it's just as important if people are going to go out graduate from the master's programs and be enterprising and be innovative and entrepreneurial that they learn how to recognize opportunities when they come along. What the games industry brings to us is that element of, of the, the experience. So they are very good at bringing opportunity into the space, pointing out to students this is an opportunity for you to do something interesting here um, and, and support them to do that. So when you have everyone performing the role well, and academics are being active well, and they're controlling the learning environment, and they're controlling the learning that happens in the space. When the games industry are coming in and sharing their expertise and creating opportunities for the graduates, for the, the students, and the students are engaged and willing to learn and open to, to the opportunities, it becomes a very potent space for, uh, for the graduates to succeed in. So, uh, our, you know, our approach has been kind of recognized something by the games industry. There was a publication, the Next Gen Report, published by Nestle in 2010, where uh, Ian Livingston highlighted this approach uh, as a model of good practice, coined the phrase workplace simulation that we've had to live with now for seven years. It's a horrible phrase, it doesn't really capture any of what we're trying to achieve, uh, quite mundane. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's a useful phrase for us to be able to use in public and speak of the principle, all that stuff uh, about what we do. But if there is a, a pedagogy, and uh, you know, workplace simulation isn't a, any kind of orthodoxy, but probably retrofitting, you could probably look at what Wenger's stuff there coming to practice. Um, and classroom focus, probably. Uh, activity theory used by doctors and probably closer to what we're, we're trying to achieve. But you know, the idea of a community in practice is very useful. Communities are based on behavior constrained by the kind of activity that is happening uh, within that like, community. So, uh, you know, the practice of games development is the kind of constraint on the community or the, or the activity that defines the community behavior. And uh, so heuristic learning within that is, is what occurs naturally once you have that in a community in place. People are making things and they're solving problems and they're finding the best way to find solutions. Um, that kind of becomes characterized a little bit by uh, collaborative learning, knowledge sharing, and so uh, distribution of effort across a lot of peer support, peer critiques. So, learning becomes quite the, the kind of focus of, of what they're doing. Um, the kind of constraint on that, I suppose, is 
this kind of proximity to expertise. So you, you have a lot of enthusiastic people learning a lot of things and sharing uh, space together. Um, and then you have this kind of professional layer on top of that, which, which constrains uh, uh, the, just how broadly they can go. So they, you know, they use professional tools and, <coughs> and techniques. So we're lucky to have relationships in this relationship we've had with Sony has been long-standing for about 15 years, uh, and we get the latest technology and the latest hardware and the latest software from Sony, um, and you know that's a really good way to constrain the kind of uh, sort of natural exuberance of this thing, learning community which we've got place. It's like no, you can't do that. You've got to do this, and if it gives us a measure of success and an indication of performance within that. Again, your professional uh, practices, the conventions, the tricks of the trade, these sort of things that are, are learned by proximity to experts, that are learned through interactions with experts in, in the field. Um, and the, again, it's, they're creating that opportunity. So uh, they, they work very closely with the students. They, uh, they bring all of their expertise, all of their tools, all of their technologies, and, and they can kind of uh, set the parameters of for the learning within that. And so we've got this kind of negotiation supposed to be on the street, and I want to do this, I want to be that. We say, well, you can't do that, that's what this is. This is the kind of mantra of the creative industries now. So this is, again, another uh, battle that we have to fight as academics working with the industry. Uh, Industry, certainly creative industries will obviously don't tell me, show me, so they don't care if you're planning up with a degree. So just put in your hand saying, uh, I'd like a job now, please. They want to see what you can do, they want to know uh, that when they employ you, they're not taking any kind of major significant risk. Talent is the, uh, the biggest risk that the creative industries take on uh, without the people. Uh, most games companies are used with computers. There's no residual value in the industry at all. So the talent is, a, is the biggest risk and it's the, uh, the biggest reward of the industry. So they're very, very careful about uh, employment and who they, who they look to employ and how they look to employ them. Um, so they, so you know, the motivation, much of the motivation for a company is to come in and work with us and they want to get that closer look at the students who are working with us, they want to be able to get up close uh, and observe them, watch them in practice, set them challenges, see how they solve problems, um, and then you know, they're, they're getting a kind of competitive advantage in the employment uh, market if they've, if they've been involved and if they've got their hands on. There is an amount of altruism in the motivation as well. They realize that the health of the industry is very important so that uh, you're helping to educate the next generation. Games professionals is, is a responsible thing to do. Um, but you know, they, will, they will look for all sorts of uh, evidence of quality in terms of the, the recruitment. So uh, if they don't actually get a chance to see them, they will look for cross corroboration from other kind of sources. So we work uh, or we encourage the students to be able to get external corroboration of their quality and the CAD. This year we've had students win a BAFTA. Uh, and uh, as well as Microsoft's Magic Cup, and we've got Signap, which was a game coming out for Channel 4 this year. All sorts of things that we do in order to fill that kind of uh, 
evidence of ring-directed gadgets as a leading door that they have quality and they are reliable and that they, they understand the industry and they have practical skills they can bring it to, to an organization. So uh, in terms of whether the, the funding council's experiment worked, um, we got incredibly high levels of employment coming from the, uh, the master's program. Uh, it's kind of functional, 100%. You know, it doesn't think what states and managers within that. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, almost all of our, our graduates go into the sector, which is not just going to employment, but going to the sector. Difficult thing to, to achieve. Um, they enjoy better career progression than their, uh, than their colleagues. Um, there's a much higher level of studio startup in Dundee, who's a game sector in Dundee grew by 25% last year, tech sector grew by 17% last year in Dundee, so it's a boom period at the moment. Um, it also contributes to the resilience of the local cluster. So the local cluster is very dynamic. Lots of small studios, lots of turnover studios, um, and that there is this kind of continuous feed of new talent coming out through the, the courses in the university uh, helps to keep the sector in Dundee uh, and, uh, and contributes to the, to the resilience and longevity of the, of the uh, sector. Uh, and as a just a, another quick detour into academia, there's lots of opportunities in this way of working for. Uh, Research or certainly R and D to take place within that uh, mixture of academic students and industry. So you know, a lot of projects will have R and D outputs. Um, a lot of uh, the opportunities that we take to work with new technologies. We can feedback, put uh, papers into the likes of Sony, into the likes of Microsoft. Uh, publications around the project Disney this year, which is going to SIGGRAPH, which is the the graphics world's uh, highest uh, most popular conference. Uh, so that you know, the, in, in an ideal uh, operation, it's, a, it's kind of a purchase name where, where everyone is, is actually uh, benefiting from, from being involved uh, and everyone's getting good outcomes uh, in the experience. Thank you very much.